Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I am your host, Alex Danzig. We're excited to announce that we are bringing the Cafe Bitcoin Conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Max Kaiser, Lynn Alden, Thomas Strolight, Corey Clipston, and many others from the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode, or you can join us live on Twitter Spaces, Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, every morning and become part of the conversation yourself. Thank you again. We look forward to giving you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. This money printing thing sure seems to be either a huge problem in the world or the biggest scapegoat. And uh, and everybody's talking about it. Um, and he really is talking in his speech about de- developing a lot of, I guess, sovereignty from the world, global world order in which America has been has been the leader. And in the meantime, just as I was listening to Jerome Powell's testimony, it's pretty interesting because even, even people like Senator Warren are, are saying this policy doesn't make sense and are getting things right. And she usually does not get economics right, but she's, she was asking, like, what does raising interest rates do? And he said, well, it lowers demand, it lowers the number of jobs. And she's like, can't you see that this is not good? Like, just in times of high inflation, in times of crisis, you're doing something that's going to prevent companies from investing in producing more. You're going to do things that are going to eliminate jobs. And he's almost speechless. Like there's a part of me that wonders if he's intentionally walking into being ordered to reverse the course of the Fed, or maybe he just wants to be fired. Like the whole thing is just very strange. There's very little conviction in his voice. And I think we've seen very little conviction in, in what he has been saying for the better part of a year right now. Expectations, inflation might be transitory. Well, it turned out it wasn't transitory. Yellen comes in and says, "I guess I was mistaken." And he's not speaking with a lot of conviction. He's pulling. He's got one lever or two levers to pull: interest rates up and down, money printing, money, like purchasing assets up and down. And none of those things are going to fix the problem that we're shutting down energy-producing facilities and we're shutting down businesses. Like it, they can only make things worse. So. I don't know. There's um, there's a lot going on right now, and I'm looking I've at the never, Yeah, go ahead, sir. No, Tomer. I I just never had considered the idea that he was trying to get himself fired. Possibly, like when you said that, it it, it lit it up for me because I too have felt that he's just kind of. Like the way he talks, it feels like he's just. I don't want to say like phoning it in. That's not the right term, but you see, it's like, like low energy, just kind of non con no conviction. Like I agree with you. I never thought about the idea that he's actually could be trying to get out of there. That's funny. Like you recognize that it's so like it's a mess. It's a it's a maze you can't possibly get out of. And you just maybe he don't want to be there. That's funny. Uh, it's like if I gave you a butter knife and a fork and I said, cut down these trees, right? You you might <laughs> and, and I said, do it. You might at some point uh, try to get yourself fired from the job, or or you certainly wouldn't have a lot of conviction when you were called before me to testify as to why the trees aren't falling down um, <laughs> su- sufficiently. That, 
that might be one of the best analogies I've ever heard in my life. That's hilarious. You would also develop the grip of an orangutan in the process, though. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm reminded, I've, I've never been in the military, but I've seen a lot of these films where they make uh, their new recruits scrub the toilets with their toothbrushes right, and give them a, t- a tool that makes it really, really hard, if not impossible, to do. Um, Oh, it's, it's possible. It's possible. It forces you to pay attention to detail. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Um, this is maybe even a less powerful, uh, tool that he has. So, I mean, I'll try to listen to a recording of this thing later because it's going on and and there's certainly a lot of people, uh, listening as we go and there'll be, there'll be some good summaries, but, um, you know, this expectation that the Fed can fix everything, which is something that uh, Biden said only a couple of weeks ago, I guess, right? He said, let the Fed do its job and get inflation under control. It's like, well, there doesn't seem to be a lot of confidence um, um, amongst the people who are questioning Powell that he's really able to do that. And he actually explicitly, Senator Warren asked him the question, can you get the prices of consumer goods under control using Fed policy? And he said, no. He, he was not equivocal about that. He didn't give some fancy answer. He said, no, he said something like, not that, not that we can't, it, it wasn't exactly one word, but it was a very clear sentence that meant, no, we cannot. So once again, yeah. we're, we're in this situation where at, at some point we do just have to wake up in the West and say, you know what, like if we want to live a good lifestyle, we have to produce the things that we want to consume. We can't just print money and expect stuff to come our way. And I think that, I think that undertones, I'm still integrating this, right? Like I only read the speech 10 minutes ago and I was literally listening to the testimony as I jumped in. So I haven't really had a long time to think about this, but if I I think the play that Russia is, is making is saying, you know what, we're, (laughs) we're going to give you more than paper for your goods. Right. We're going to give you more than entries in the database for your goods. We're going to ex- trade goods for, for goods. We'll be, we'll kind of be net neutral. We're going to produce stuff and you're going to produce stuff and, and we'll trade. Whereas what America has fallen, has, has preyed upon others, but in a sense psychologically fallen victim to itself is we will give you American dollars and you will give us your goods, <laughs> right? You will manufacture stuff. You will grow stuff and you will trade it for our dollars. And, and the argument behind it in the past was for a peaceful world order. This is Peter Zahan's uh, hypothesis. And, and he foresaw and he predicted that this was coming to an end, mostly because he saw that America was no longer interested in being the world's policeman. But America was being paid to be the world's policeman. Right? It, was, um, it, it was this money printing ability. And if that is going away or because it's not going to be the world's policeman or the world isn't needed anymore or people don't want America to do that job anymore, whatever the reason, then America, and this is not a bad thing, then America needs to get back to making things other than just printing dollars and importing stuff from overseas. And, uh, and I, th- I think that's not, not a good thing, but this tra- now let's talk about a transition, right? This transition to restoring American manufacturing and American production and American sanity um, is uh, is ultimately a good thing, but it, it you don't just snap your fingers and and it happens. So this can bring us back to a discussion of Bitcoin at any point in time, but these are kind of some first principle things that are going on in the underlying economy of the world. 
and in different parts of it that I think are very much at the forefront of worldwide discussion. Right? Like literally as we speak, they're being discussed. Yeah, well, it, it bears directly on the, the principles that Bitcoin is here for. So I think it's really important to discuss because the the old world, you know, traditional finance, legacy finance, those old systems are obviously breaking down. And in the process of them breaking down, the overlords of those of those systems are becoming increasingly more desperate. You've got Augustus Karstens from the Bank of International Settlements just yesterday released a paper basically saying, trust me, <laughs> buy my shit coin. <laughs> he's saying yeah. that, you know, he released a model for a CBDC and he's essentially telling the world, you know, you have to rely upon the trust. You have to trust us at the BIS or the I other. I don't have it in front of me, but I think the exact quote, and if it's not an exact quote, it's very close. He says, trust is the soul of money. So he is saying that. <laughs> I know you guys are laughing, right? Isn't that and, and, great? And as it stands, in, like, so trust me, trust this cabal of elites. What's his, I, I looked at his resume after, right? Oh, another guy who led the International Monetary Fund. Not exactly a great, a great history. Another lifetime economist who's never really worked, who's only ever worked for government and these non-government organizations, never worked for a corporation, never produced anything. So that's, that's who's heading up this international bank of settlements and who's heading up. And he says, trust the, trust the central banks, right? Who's heading up the European central bank, Christine Lagarde, someone who's been convicted of criminal negligence. Why would you ever trust somebody who's been convicted of criminal negligence and never made to pay a price for it, never served a day in prison or paid a nickel of a fine? How can you trust someone like that? Um, so it's, it's, it's bizarre. And then you contrast that against Bitcoin, who's, uh, cult where the cultural ethos is, don't trust, verify, right? Um, and nobody has to trust somebody else to not steal their money, let alone some, you know, people who've demonstrated or, or, or to be incompetent, by the way, either, right? Like if you're incompetent and a minor, you don't, you don't produce an incompetent block that gets added to the blockchain. If you produce an incompetent, erroneous block, everybody just ignores it, right? Incompetence is ignored in Bitcoin. It's not dealt, there's, we don't have to deal with it. Everything is verified and the rules aren't changeable by some guy who had some people write an essay for him. I, I read the paper too. It was, it was almost unreadable because it was so filled with jargony terms. Um, but lots of mentions of Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin appears in it 15 times, although mostly in just one chart. Um, but again, lots of mistakes, right? The, the mistake that Bitcoin has only four transactions per second, which first of all ignores the fact that you can batch transactions and that Lightning Network exists and other off-chain solutions exist. And if you want to compare it to centralized databases, then, you know, we could certainly have, and, and there are many exchanges and, and databases where people custody Bitcoin, which makes it as, in that instance, as insecure as all fiat currencies and banks are, all, are at all times. But um, so he's just wrong, right? And, uh, and the expectation to be trusted for no reason, like, trust me, why, why should I trust you? Well, because trust is the soul of money. <laughs> right. And then, so 
on top of that, you've got the ECB balance sheet hitting all-time highs in history. Yep. And Lagarde is out there calling for some kind of regulation that can control Bitcoin, which is absolutely hilarious. Who needs this to be is... regulated? Sorry to talk over you. Like, who needs to be put, who needs to have a leash put on? Right? It's these people who are completely out of control who have theories that have been proven false. Like every time they predict something, it doesn't happen. It doesn't come true. And then they say, we just need more power. We need more. You need to trust us more. You need to give us more power. We don't have enough power. We need to print more money. We need to, we need to apply it back. We need to do this. We need to do that. And then under questioning, I'm, I'm jumping around to all the events, but under questioning, they're left practically speechless, right? <laughs> so they're, they're good at talking at us. They're not good at responding to questions because None of what they're doing really makes any sense. It's a yeah. It's a, so let me let me point out one last thing because I think it's pertinent to this particular subject, and then we'll we'll keep rolling here. Is is that if look at all the the Fed chairman of the past? You know, one of probably the best attribute of a central banker is to be able to stand in public and answer questions with absolute conviction and confidence that everything is fine even if the house is literally on fire burning down around you and um it's you know what's interesting about that to me is that yesterday so we were talking with pierre rochard and he was bringing up the differences between risk which is measurable and uncertainty which is unmeasurable right human beings get their cues from other human beings as to whether things are okay or not like little kids when they fall down and they scrape their knee right if if the kid immediately will look up at the parent or whoever the adult is and if the adult is freaking out like oh my gosh are you okay the kid will immediately start screaming cuz they're like oh no i'm i'm injured but they looked to the adult for the cue and if the adults like, yeah, get up, you're fine. Rub some dirt on it. It'll, it'll be they'll make much less of a deal about it. I guess the point I'm trying to make is is that all of the humans are looking at these central bankers for reassurance that the plane is not crashing, right? <laughs> and it is. It is crashing. And their job is to put on a brave face and say, "Oh, everything's fine." You know, we're gonna we're we're going to move through this to a more stable situation on the other side it's pretty fascinating to me how all that psychology works good morning peter what's up brother good morning um just been soaking in uh tomer's uh tomer's comments which we've we've missed those comments glad to have you glad to have you back tomer it seems like uh you've been gone for a long time when in fact i think you've only been gone for a few days so i've um, actually gone for over i've been gone for five weeks maybe dropping in a little bit here and there so if it felt like a long time it felt like a long time to me well yeah and it, clearly, clearly you've got things to say <laughs> um I wanted to say that a couple things one i wanted to circle back to uh everything you said about uh about uh, Jay Powell, I believe is is one hundred percent accurate, except for possibly his his motivation for you know trying to get fired because he was just reconfirmed, and I think if you were to bow out, that the time to bow out was right after uh, right after the 
the the debacle with Kaplan and the and the insider trading that was going on inside of the inside of the Fed. Um, I, I honestly, I think he's, I think he like like many other Keynesian economists, they they really feel like they can fix these things, and and I think he, I think he honestly believes that. I think he honestly believes that he has the opportunity to fix it. He's one of the one of the you know most easily identifiable men in the world. He's one of the most powerful men in the world and you know people don't like to give that kind of stuff up especially when they think they can they can fix something. That's just my opinion. Um and then as far as uh 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 trust is the soul of money. Um I actually agree with that 100% and you know, Bitcoin is a protocol based on mathematics, and I trust mathematics. So, um, you know, what what better what better system to trust than than one that is effectively uh, there's no need for trust because you're you're it's based on mathematics and code, and it's open source and it's been verified. So it seems like uh, what better thing to trust in. You, you know, um, I'm not, um, I'm sorry, I just have to get something. I'm not going to say that I disagree with you or that I think you're wrong or that I think I'm right. Um, I just offer this thought um, based off of personal experience. So I, I used to work for a newspaper company and everything was falling apart for newspaper companies. And we had a CEO who had been an accountant who shouldn't have been a CEO uh, but found himself in that role and he wanted out and he reminds me a lot of Jerome Powell and his mannerisms and his maturity and all that kind of stuff and uh, he tried to resign but they, they couldn't get anybody else to come in and run the thing because it was such a shit show right like who wanted to run a newspaper in the age of Google and so that that's what that's what leads me to thinking that this possibility exists I'm not saying I know I'm right I just went through an experience that was similar Yeah, and, oh, and that's quick. fair. And that's not to say that's not to say that you're wrong. I was just uh, voicing a different opinion. Totally. I'd like to make a quick shout out to Pablo. Good morning, Pablo. Head of R&D at Swan Bitcoin. Just did a podcast with Preston Pish, I think yesterday. That's up in the NAS. You guys should check it out. Yeah, we actually recorded. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Uh, We actually recorded uh, on Sunday. uh, I think it was like a week ago. Yeah, last last weekend. Um, It was kind of funny during the... uh, While I was... While we were recording, I got a a notification on my... uh, uh, From an email coming into my inbox. And it was from Celsius. (laughs) And it was the... uh, It was the uh, notification that they were... Pausing temporarily, temporarily, just for, you know, a few days, uh, pausing withdrawals. Um, we didn't get to, to talk about it because I didn't, obviously, I didn't read the email while I was talking with Preston. But, um, yeah, I found the uh, timing pretty uh, pretty hilarious. Yeah, it was uh, super, a lot of fun um, uh, recording that uh, that episode. And, yeah, I, 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 I hope it go, it, yeah, people get value out of it. Can't wait to listen to it, man. Thanks. I, I make <laughs> I make the case during I, the, like forty five minutes into it. I make the case of why I'm so bullish on CBDCs and why I can't wait for them. So <laughs> I, I hope you get a laugh out of that. <laughs> uh, 
All right. So uh, apparently Voyager might be insolvent. Yeah, they've got a bunch of money, or they had a bunch of stuff out to 3AC, like 12,000 Bitcoin or something like that. It was a big amount. 350 million, I think, in USDC. So, yeah. What What is Voyager? It's like a Celsius, not quite the same, but they it's another one of those yield platforms. You know, give us your... Buy your Bitcoin here, buy your other altcoins here, and you can earn interest. Leave it with us. It's safe. <laughs> I would argue it's another cult kind kind of thing. I mean, I again, you know, based because I was on a journey, I had Celsius, I had BlockFi, I had Voyager. I thought they were all the greatest things since last bread when I didn't know anything. And so uh, I got people onboarded unfortunately to some of those platforms um and i'm obviously telling everybody get your stuff off of there yeah were they have they, a certain amount of time you a referral sorry go ahead uh what i was saying is is that i guess they have a certain amount of time to post more collateral otherwise they're going to get margin called and uh they're going down well, what I read is they're calling a loan that they gave to 3AC, right? So, and and also I will say, and again, I'm I'm not like an expert on this, but they just like BlockFi got an insurgence from uh, Sam Bankman Fried or whatever, Voyager also got literally five. Uh, uh, it's either a loan or a line of credit, five hundred million dollars from uh, FTX or Alameda One. So they're being propped up. I am so thankful that I was introduced to Bitcoin maxi spaces at the right time and was influenced by the right people to avoid all of these freaking kinds of scams. Thank you so much. Everybody who was in here who mentored me along the way. Yeah, I got out of some of some of these things um, early enough to not have to worry about it, but it's just it's crazy. I'm sitting back. Well, it's like I can I can remember still when Peter came into the space, and if he had not run into sort of our people, he very easily could have gone down that rabbit hole and lost. Like, well, I'm not going to dox his situation, but. <laughs> if he jumped into those DeFi products, man, that, that would have been pretty horrible. You know, I, I kind of wanted to say a couple of things about these. First of all, these uh, FTX loans that are coming to rescue uh, some of these platforms. I don't know enough about these ones that are being rescued other than to say it's probably advisable not to keep your money in them. Uh, but it is, it is it is reminiscent. Someone should put something in the blockchain saying FTX on verge of uh, second bailout for lending crypto lending platforms because these bail like how are these bailouts going to actually fix anything if there's if there's tremendous leverage on assets that aren't worth much or assets on which you cannot pay yield because their supply won't inflate to accommodate the yield it ends eventually with people some people not getting paid or others not getting paid i i, I wanted to uh, maybe lighten the situation a little bit i, I was 
while I was away, and I don't know if you guys discussed this, there was one particular crypto influencer who, when uh, the Celsius thing blew up, got really upset and claimed that he was going to lead a class action lawsuit against Celsius. And he was really grandstanding and uh, doing heroing things. I'll say his name. It was BitBoy Ben Armstrong. Right. All right. I, I didn't want to say his name, but uh, just because I don't want to give him the free advertising. But anyway, so, so this guy was out there, you know, grandstanding. And then he said, well, after speaking with my lawyers, it doesn't look so good. First of all, I can't participate in the lawsuit because I promoted Celsius. And it's like it, what his lawyers obviously told him was, Secondly, I'm probably a defendant in any lawsuit because I promoted Celsius. That's where I was going to go with it. It's like, it's like his lawyers are probably saying, "You realize you're trying to launch a a class action lawsuit in which you will be named as a defendant." I do like owning myself. (laughs) Oh man! But like, this is the clown show that is all of these things, and and as as an allegedly intelligent sure influencer who has something wise to say that he doesn't realize that he he is as a promoter of this thing is liable for the damages that he might cause providing all this financial advice shows how poor of an advisor he is how poor his judgment is how he doesn't realize what what he's up to and yet he's someone who's got hundreds like maybe hundreds of thousands close to a million followers that have been developed through marketing budgets and so on and and um, so this is it's it's funny in that sense, it, but it, it's serious too because his actions have obviously led to a lot of people making financial decisions, which have uh, which have not turned out well. I just think it's funny because I think he's such an idiot, and it doesn't take long to see that. And uh, it, you're right; he's got all these followers, and it just it's like a a big bag of idiots to me. It's you know, I mean, it, at some point you can't feel bad for him anymore because you know you're listening to this guy. Clearly, you know, I, I'm not even getting into it. You're I, right. I'm I, not even getting into it. But I, re- I really do wonder, and and I, you know, there, there may be people in this room, and I'm like, I'm sympathetic. If I have a very high bullshit detector, a very sensitive bullshit detector, so I look at people like him, and things trigger in me very, very quickly. That I'm thinking about what he's saying, and I, and I don't know what it is that allows someone of that nature. And, and there, he's not, he's far from the only one, right? There's all these charlatans have their own grift, I guess, their own style of grift. And, and they manage to persuade a lot of people. And I'm very sympathetic to the, to the people who lack the ability to quickly discern when they're being misled. And I don't know what to do about it. Like I want to do something about it um, other than just tell people that they're, that they're fools. But I don't know exactly what to do. Uh, there's, are they not patient enough to listen? Is there a simpler way to communicate things to them? How do they? How do we help them see truth when there's so many liars out there? I just wanted to quickly jump back to the Voyager thing. Um, this morning I was reading they they lent out over fifteen thousand BTC to three AC Capital, and. Uh, and, it seems to me. And, it seems to me that if they're getting bailed out by FTX, that's in dollars. That's not in Bitcoin. So there's mm. there's a major like insolvency around specific assets, namely Bitcoin. So it's 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 fifteen thousand two hundred and fifty Bitcoin and three hundred and fifty million USDC. I guess on top of that. 
Is there is there a reason why FTX feels the need to lend money to these companies that might get liquidated? Because that that is when you're operating FTX the house of cards, you want to prop this the game up as long as you can. Because if Block five falls, right? Everything else could start falling more. They just want to stop the bleeding. That's what I would do. If I, what saying Bankman Freed, what FTX is doing is economically rational. They keep, need to keep the crypto casino going. The way to do that is to continue to prop shit up and hope the Fed will cut rates <clears throat> and will be under control. They'll do easy money again to flood the crypto casinos. Yeah, absolutely. This- and at, at, at 250 mil, for for BlockFi, I, I don't know what's the deal with uh, with Boyer, but for BlockFi it was two fifty mil. That's nothing for for FTX, exactly. and also that's nothing for the liabilities of BlockFi at the same time, right? It, it, to me, when I saw that that news, it sounded very very similar to the um, to the TARP program back in two thousand and eight, where it was seven hundred and fifty billion for for the um, housing market, which. It's it's not. I mean, at the time, it felt like like a lot, but it's not that much, really. It's it's mostly just signaling. It, it's not going to make a real dent on the uh, liabilities outstanding. It, it it makes me think of like uh, when when GME was getting was getting all those sh- uh, short squeezes, all those liquidations, and those hedge funds were going down, and then other hedge funds started lending. Of the hedge funds that were about to start burning, they started lending them billions of dollars. And so it makes me think, I wonder if FTX is leveraged some way in BlockFi and in 3AC, and that's why they yeah. want to make sure that they don't get that they don't get liquidated. FTX that's- already had had invested in in Voyager. They they helped them earlier too. Give them they gave them money to get them to where they're at even. Well, it's like Sean when you said that. The, that's the first thing that went through my head. It's like, oh, they have exposure. Yeah, they're I, they're trying to save it. If I if I can offer another analogy to what all this activity is, it's like the game musical chairs. And and and, and when you play the game musical chairs, every time the music stops, everyone sits down and somebody's eliminated, and you pull away another seat because the the contagion is growing. And eventually, you end up with only with only one person. And they're called the winner of the game. But like in this situation where all this money has been promised that doesn't exist, at the end of the day, you know, we keep seeing one or more of these players or some of the debt that's owed have to get defaulted on because it doesn't exist, especially if it's Bitcoin, right? Like if somebody owes hey. 22 million Bitcoin, they're not getting paid ever. So I want to I want to add to this analogy in that if this is a game of musical chairs, Bitcoin is sitting in a chair and never actually gets up. Self-custody Bitcoin, yeah. The thing, yeah. Well, I'm talking about Bitcoin, the ecosystem. Like a, A lot of people still really don't understand the difference between shitcoins, crypto, DeFi, all this other kind of crazy shit, NFTs, you name it, and Bitcoin. Bitcoin is unique in the entire ecosystem. And people get this stuff confused all the time. I saw a tweet from a guy I respect a lot. Like he's like, "Well, I guess DeFi means you know a, a big con." And it's like <clears throat> he said it in a way 
that would that that would imply that everything having to do with cryptocurrency is a con and and bitcoin is the only thing that that when this musical you know this this game of musical chairs or whatever stops it's it's already sitting it's going to be the last one standing i think yeah i, I go so far as to say Bitcoin hasn't entered the game of musical chairs. It, it, it realized that that's, this is a game where once you uh, stake up, it, it's, it's game. I think with gamblers play, let, let's compare it to a different kind of game. Gamblers are playing for each other's money on the basis of luck. Maybe there's some skill. A lot of gamblers say that there's some skill for sure, but there's, there's luck in here. And they're playing for each other's money. They know that they're not creating new value in the ecosystem. The deception of something like DeFi is it is gambling. Everyone's playing for each other's money. Nobody's creating any new value, but there's the misrepresentation that this is decentralized finance and it adds value to the ecosystem in some way. And it, and it doesn't. And so I think that's where we saw the big ballooning, the big inflation of alleged value. And then all of these things turn out to be rug pulls. They turn out to have deficiencies in the contract. And most of all, they turn out not to have any real value in their tokens. And and that's where the tragedy is. And, and, and Bitcoin's a totally different thing. It wasn't set up for you to gamble on. It was set up to be sound, scarce, censorship-resistant, permissionless money. It's a different game altogether. It's not a casino. With it's also, no third-party trust. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would say it's also, it's not a competitive game, right? Like, none of us win at Bitcoin at the expense of somebody else having to lose at Bitcoin, the value of Bitcoin rises with, as a network effect. The more and more people use it, the more its value appreciates. And the more and more people use it as their store of value and as their money, as opposed to as a gamble on what its fiat denominated value might be. And I think that's what people realize. Many people enter the game thinking, oh, this is a way to get rich quick. It's part of the fiat game of trying to give up, trade your fiat for something that's going to be worth more fiat later. And they realize, no, there's actually, there's a much better game here that I've realized that I'm playing at the table, which is a game of mutual cooperation. And everything about Bitcoin is mutual cooperation. Like, although the miners are competing to find the next block as soon as one finds the next block they all agree right nobody nobody disagrees and asks the referee uh to to roll back the chain to call back the goal right like we all agree that's a goal let's move on next next one and, and what do we do we reinforce the the truth of that goal right by building on top of the previous block that somebody else found miners are accepting and as you know, in the sense of where all the referees were all saying that was a valid goal and we're never taking it back. So we're cooperating and we're reinforcing the strength of the system and the truth behind the system. And, and, and that's why it's the system in the world that's been up the longest um, without any downtime. Well, I'm going <laughs> to start well, going and, on a different path if, if I, well, I keep talking and, about this. And Tomer, I mean, going back to your point earlier, like why are people following falling for all of these crypto scammers? I think it's just something that we've been taught our whole lives is when you start to make money, you have to trust in some type of financial advisor. And so I think that that's why it's so important. Whenever people talk to me about Bitcoin or they ask questions, I always talk about how it's so important to be financially self-reliant and to do your research 
you know, and I think that's something that people just, they just put that burden on, on someone else, whether it's a, you know, a licensed financial advisor or whether it's some YouTube crypto influencer, but they, but they put that burden on other people and they don't, they don't verify, they just trust. And I think that's what's so cool about Bitcoin is it puts, it puts the, the responsibility back in your own hands and that gives you freedom. Because if you give up the reins of responsibility, then you're not really free. You're not free financially. And I think that that's one of the things that Bitcoin really does is it puts the responsibility back in my hands. It makes me a man. I can be free because I can control my wealth or I, I know that no one else can control my wealth. Bitcoin is also uh, freedom of speech. And uh, I was going to also uh, go back to one of Tomer's points about, you know, he was saying, I, I don't know what to do about these, you know, about these, these, these scams. And, you know, and, and, and he feels so horrible that so many people are so adversely affected by them. And one of the beauties of Bitcoin is that you can you can do things like like Corey, uh, you know, who who, you know, is screaming from the mountaintop. You can do things. Uh, Terrence just put out a tweet recently about uh uh, Pomp and and DeFi signing people back up uh, for their uh, uh, whatever their their interest system is, whatever they're doing, which I'm sure is along the same lines. Or, um, you know, one of the beauties of Bitcoin, I, I like to view Bitcoin as the Borg. You know, I mean, it's if resistance is futile. It's going to assimilate everything. And so, one of the things you can do is. You can do nothing because it's inevitable that Bitcoin is going to become uh, the uh, world reserve currency. It's going to become the unit of account. Uh, it's going to become our money for all of humanity for the future. And so if the only thing I do is, um, is help people uh, who come to Bitcoin when they need uh, their transition ease when they're onboarding, then that's what I do. And it, it's as Sean was saying, it's all about freedom. It's, it's your freedom to choose. And, and this is a rare thing in humanity uh, where everyone gets the freedom to choose. That's beautiful. I, I was just going to finish on the same thing, right? Like, like the, the reason it's so hard in a sense to advocate for Bitcoin is you're not forcing it on a single person. <laughs> Nobody's forced ever to use Bitcoin. Everyone must choose it for themselves and uh, and getting to the point of choosing it for yourself means being wise enough, alert enough to be able to make a rational choice, uh, not just to go with the crowd or to listen to marketing or to you know to make a verified decision for your own. And that and that path may be filled with making mistakes along the way. We learn from making mistakes, and so maybe the, this is just the pro the process that we're observing right now is a process of people learning and learning is sometimes studying, right? It's sometimes also making your own mistakes. It's sometimes studying. You look, it's great to learn from the mistakes that others have made. And I, and that's maybe the best thing that we can take away from what's occurred recently, that a lot of people will learn from their own mistakes and from the mistakes of others, but there will still be people who need to make mistakes, I suppose. This All right, is let's some announcements. Back. Oh, sorry, Alex. Uh, I might it's spin right. up Toma. <laughs> okay. So as you know, going back to the musical chairs, 
thinking of chairs, a throne. Uh, Bitcoin sits there, not moving. Are you guys familiar with uh, the story, the the sword over Danicles? I am, yes. Yes, Tomer, I I thought you would love this. Um, So Bitcoin is like King Danicles. And all these shit coins and marketing, VC capital, everybody thinks they're capable or they have the ability to hold down the crown and, and succeed and do these things. But really, when it comes down to it, if they sit in the seat, they can't handle 10 minutes sitting below that sword, that constant pressure and and uh, the eyes upon you. All these things are, uh, what would you say? They're not immune to it. Bitcoin's immune to all that pressure. It means nothing to it. And in a way, Bitcoin is Damocles. And I think Tomer could expand on that in a cool, cool fashion also. But <laughs> you're we, putting the oh, sorry, go ahead, Alex. We we should probably actually dig into that because for people who are new to the space who have never, you know, they're trying to understand what Bitcoin is, they pop into a room, they hear some discussion about King on the Throne, Sword of Damocles, all that kind of stuff. It's like we need that that requires an explanation. They're gonna be like, as you're in a goddamn cult. What the fuck are you talking about? So let's let's um let me do this. We're, let's hit announcements real quick, and then um, maybe we can dig in and explain that a little bit better. Uh, you've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Good morning and welcome. If you've never been here before, we talk about Bitcoin. Uh, we do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, roll for about two hours, talk about all things Bitcoin. Today's a preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds of Bitcoin to chill, talk about what's going on. Also, a podcast up on Spotify and Apple. You can throw myself or Swan Bitcoin a follow to be notified of when those drop. A uh, couple of things about Swan, which is one of the sponsors of the show today. Um, if you want to give a gift in Bitcoin, you can do that through Swan. We have a thing called the the Bitcoin Benefit Plan. If you're an employer, you want to give Bitcoin to your employees, you can do that through Swan. The Daily Bitcoiner is a uh, daily newsletter curated by Corey Clipston. And it's picking out the very best, most important things um, in Bitcoin to take a look at. It's a way to kind of uh, isolate the signal from the noise, so to speak. Um, If you are super backwards on your current Bitcoin position in U.S. dollar terms, you could consider doing tax loss harvesting. If you're interested in learning more more about that, we're doing it for our Swan private clients at Swan. You can shoot me a DM um, or Terrence up here to get more information about that. Swan has an app. You can hit that on swanbitcoin.com slash app. Uh, Swan is launching IRA products. So if you want to roll over an IRA or 401k into Bitcoin, we can help you do that. If you want to put Bitcoin on your business balance sheet, we can do that. If you're a high net worth individual and you want basically your very own team of experts to help you out in whatever you need to know in regards to Bitcoin, that's what Swan Private is. So whether that be inheritance planning, entry strategies, self-custody, multi-sig, whatever you need to understand and know about, that's what the Swan private team does. So we're happy to help you with that. You can shoot me a DM if you want to know more. Let's let's keep rolling here. Um, perhaps we can get a better explanation of, of, of what we're talking about when it comes to the sort of Damocles and all these other kind of things that are not Bitcoin. Am I being put under? 
<laughs> onto the throne, sitting under the sword of Damocles to explain the story. If you, if you would like to, that's kind of like that's kind of what Rustin did. He's like, I have this amazing yeah. analogy. Tomer, explain it. <laughs> so it's a little. Tr- I don't know. Um, I, I might swap the analogy here. I'll, t- I'll very briefly tell the story. This this the story is there is a king who has access to lots of riches, King Dionysus, and uh, and one of his. Um, servants, I guess, or, or wise men or something uh, named Damocles says, I would like to sit in the throne. I think I could handle it. And, uh, and of course, it comes with all these riches, I guess, concubines and treasures and wine and all, all the stuff that you get for sitting in the throne. But uh, what King Dionysus has prepared is there is a sword hanging over the head of the chair, over the throne, and it's suspended by just one horse's hair. And so at any moment, that horse's hair could break and the sword will fall on he who sits on the throne and end him. And the moral of the story is with great, with great power comes great response, comes great risk, uh, comes great threat when, when it's set up. And I, I think no, no one better understands the story, especially if you hear the story of Bernie Madoff, who was through deception living this life of riches. Apparently, the story goes that the day that he was finally arrested after decades of defrauding people through a Ponzi scheme, he said that was the first night he slept peacefully. He was taken off the throne. Uh, I'm sitting under the, and the, his sort of Damocles was, of course, that he would be found out as a scammer as opposed to as a brilliant, uh, as a as a brilliant trader. And I think, uh, Rusty, like what we're talking about here, if we're trying to equate to the sort of Damocles, it's all these people who lead these alleged lending platforms. These leverage platforms or these, you know, these extremely valuable, and I'm making air quotes around valuable, new DeFi startups, but are really, you know, and they're making great riches, but the, but it can, it can, at the snap of a finger, uh, come crashing down because it doesn't have fundamental value in it. Um, and that's the danger that all of these things sit by. And we saw a few of these horsehairs break in the last month. And down goes the sword of Damocles on Doquad's head, and down goes the sword of Damocles on Mashinsky's head, and down down it goes on a whole bunch of other things that they're over and they're and they're wiped out. And maybe there's other people who are now we were talking about the bailouts for these things who are now saying, "Oh, I'd like to step into that throne. Maybe maybe this won't. Maybe I'll be immune from the dangers of this." I think what Satoshi did that was really different was he didn't sit in the throne. Right. He disappeared. He said, I've built the system. He built he built it soundly and rationally, not with decadence. There's no decadence in Bitcoin for Satoshi. And uh, and he let he, if, if there even is a throne, nobody seems to be able to sit in it. And, and certainly anyone who's ever tried to sit atop the throne of Bitcoin to try to claim control of Bitcoin has not <laughs> has not even found an ability to sit in there. Right? They, they've, they've had to hard fork and the sort of Damocles fell on their head. If you think of the Bitcoin hard forks uh, that have crashed down to nearly zero or those who have tried to take it over and found it impossible to do so and have been essentially humiliated out of participating in the eco- ecosystem, uh, the, the sort of Damocles in Bitcoin, it's like it, it doesn't hang by a horse's head. It's all the plebs are standing there with swords saying, don't you dare try to take over Bitcoin. And uh, and it can't be taken over. So I hope, Rusty, that I've done a good job trying to equate it here. But if, if you think I've missed a part of the story, uh, please feel free to try to add to it. Nope. Freaking nailed it. Knew it would happen. Thank you, Tomer. 
also, <laughs> Preston's like, I I know he can explain this. <laughs> yeah. Could I could I add on to that? I think um, so, so. If you think about this sword falling, I think as, over the last few years we've kind of got used to, you know, the uh, like the mainstream media or the narrative saying, "Oh, this isn't going to happen. We're not going to do whatever. It, like we're not going to do mandates." Oh, and then all of a sudden, mandates happen. Seriously, this big campaign. Uh, oh, um, Jeremy, could you mute your mic, please? I got him. Thank you, Thanks. brother. Yeah, so so just kind of over, you know, lately we've we've kind of gotten numb to whatever happens because they'll say it's not going to happen and then it happens. And I think with this with the sword of of Damocles, which I'm new to, I haven't heard of, but it seems like this like this disaster that's going to happen, and uh, it, it just seems like we have these things in. Again, the fiat mindset, you're, a lot of us have been forced to just try new things because we realized, oh, what we've been told our whole lives doesn't work. You know, like there's a lot of people who, who like they go get the job, they go do what they think is right. And then it doesn't, they can't save money or they can't save money how they thought they could. Or they realize, wow, my retirement is going to be pennies or it's going to be something very small compared to what my parents had or to what my grandparents had and so then they're pushed to these fiat games or they feel like they have to be pushed to these fiat games and then they go to these things like these DeFi platforms and so it just makes me think that there's these smaller swords of damocles that are falling on these on these fiat DeFi platforms and it's kind of like the omen or the prediction of what's going to happen to fiat currencies and eventually to the dollar and so it's kind of just numbing us there's these liquidations there's these these things that just cascade terra is buying billions of dollars of bitcoin you think oh this thing it looks like it's just puffing its chest out right and looking like it's so powerful and then it just falls from one day to the next and i think that's kind of how to me it's just oh it's just another domino that's falling before the big domino of the dollar falls. You know, it's interesting. Um, I've got the, the, um, the PAL um, inquiry on as I'm listening to this. And apparently he's doing a good job as a CEO of a uh, newspaper company, trying to instill confidence in his uh, employees because uh, there's been a, been a hundred point swing on the on the uh, uh, on the S and P, three hundred point swing on the the. I mean, all the mar- all the markets started off negative this morning, and as he's been talking, they've all turned positive. So it's just it's just funny. He's doing exactly what Tomer said that he's good at doing. Sounds like a centralized scam whose value is bent on PR in some regard. Yes, one man can make a big difference in the world's biggest and most important currency and economy. Crazy. Hey, you know, the only problem with this sort of Damocles is that the ones that should fall on, like a Doquan walks away <laughs> scot-free while it's all the, all the investors that, that take the hit. We'll see. That's to be determined, right? 
yeah, he'll probably get away with it because they'll lawyer up and hide and ghosts and we'll see. Yeah, that story was written at a time when kings really were killed for <laughs> for upsetting uh, their constituencies. I mean, that, that that was the method of replacing uh, of replacing people, and it was very hard to find shelter. Like you, you had to uh, flee a territory if you had done what he had done, or you would face um, capital punishment. So apparently, uh, Scaramucci is uh, filing for a spot Bitcoin ETF this week, according to Bloomberg. I put it up there in the nest just with, I mean, I know everybody likes to talk about the ETFs, but, you know, he has that heavy shitcoinery pass too. So he came in really hard on Bitcoin and then was like, you know, but also shitcoins. And now this ETF thing, it's just interesting. Love to hear y'all's perspective on it. I mean, I just, my advice to people is when you think about Bitcoin, think about it not as a stock, not as a commodity, not as an investment, but as money. And I think this is what the legislation will eventually catch up to. So this idea may be ahead of its time right now, but you don't hold money in an ETF. <laughs> like, um, and ideally, you can hold your money yourself rather than with somebody else who might do something with it. And you don't expect sound money to pay you interest like it just it's if it's sound and it's not inflating in supply there's no way to ultimately pay interest in the long term so if you're getting into bitcoin learn how to custody it yourself take your time there's a responsibility there's, there's no rush uh, to panic you, there are reasonable custodians and, and there's a reasonable process for learning and then and then learn how to hold it yourself and how to plan to own money because you know if you bought a car you lock it and you, and you take responsibility for it. If you own a house, you maintain it and you lock it. If you have a lawn, you mow it and you water it. And if you have money, you take the responsible measures to protect and preserve it. So it's not like there's anything insane going on here, but understand that Bitcoin was engineered to be money. And whenever somebody tries to use it for something else, it is like you, as a, to my earlier metaphor, you can try to cut down a tree with a butter knife, but it's not the best tool for the, for the job. Um, and if you're trying to earn interest, you probably shouldn't be doing it with an asset that doesn't inflate because so because the check's going to bounce for the interest eventually and someone's going to get burned. I think Continue. that the oh, sorry, Tom, were you done? Yeah, I'm done. I was just saying it could and it could be you. I, I think the 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 Scaramucci thing is it it really it goes back to what sean was saying earlier about how you know people feel like they need somebody to advise them on how they can you know increase their wealth and it also goes to what tomer just said about you know bitcoin being money and people who hold money in their hand they know how to use it it's not very complicated um you know, it's the, all of the things, that's all the games that are played around it that become complicated. But, you know, all people also think that that uh, that Bitcoin and and all of these other products, um, these other shit coins 
are super complicated. And so they trust that somebody else is going to provide them with the guidance that they need to be able to utilize and use these kinds of things to to build wealth. And they don't understand that, you know, Bitcoin is a savings technology, it's money. Uh, and Scaramucci, on the other hand, I think is, you know, he's st- even if he understands Bitcoin, he's steeped in TradFi, the traditional finance system. He's steeped in this idea of greed. He's he he's using the shit coins as liquidity to buy more Bitcoin. It's the classic uh, buy my buy my shit coin. I'm going to uh, buy more Bitcoin. It's it's just it's classic. Yeah, you know, there, there's another. We're having a lot of fun with these sayings and stories. There's a saying that says, "When all you have a, is a hammer, everything looks like a nail." And when your career is an investment advisor, everything looks like an investment vehicle or an investment instrument. And so, I, I genuinely believe that guys like Scaramucci are genuinely and honestly making the mistake that Bitcoin is an investment asset. Because take a look, you know, you, if you invested in it, if you bought it with dollars, your dollar value of Bitcoin if you've been in market for any substantial period of time, has gone way up. So it's a, it's a good investment. And in, in, in that context, he's not, mis- he's not mistaken, but it's not designed like a, a share in a company is an investment. And if the company succeeds, the value of the investment will go up. There's a fundamental thing there. If it can increase its dividends and increase its cash flow, the value in a cash is going to go up because it's flowing more cash and very, very simple. But Bitcoin doesn't flow cash, right? And this is, of course, Peter Schiff's criticism against it. It doesn't flow cash, so it's not an investment. In a sense, I agree with Peter Schiff. Uh, it's the best money that's ever existed in the world, and that's where I disagree with him. But it's, it's, not, a, it's not a dividend yielding or, or, or interest yielding instrument. And so if you invest in Bitcoin and you try to turn it into an interest yielding instrument, you're going to be really disappointed because there's only 21 million of them. And if, if someone, you know, if everyone deposited their 21 million Bitcoin in the bank promising to pay 6% interest, there's no interest. <laughs> like there's only 21 million. You can't pay 21 million plus 6% out. Uh, so someone's going to end up trying to hard fork it or someone's going to go bankrupt or this, that, the other. So understand it for what it is. It's not easy to understand it. It's a brand new thing in the world. But some of and I'm not saying I'm 100% certain about everything that's going to play out in the long run. But I can look at the nature of Bitcoin. I can see it's got the 21 million cap. I've run the numbers. I can see that it's working according to its tech, its technology. I can see that it's cash. Um, I can see that it's real money like the, the likes of which we've never had before and so that's how i treat it good morning to tone vase and a uh, shout out to dylan leclerc out in the audience if either of you guys have comments on voyager and uh what you think might be happening there uh, we really like to hear your thoughts on that hey guys i don't actually have comments because i don't know what happened over at Voyager, I'm just trying to pick up from what you guys have been saying so far. Uh, so I'll just stay quiet for now. So the story is that Voyager lent a bunch of money to Three Arrows. I guess as it was over 15,000 Bitcoin and another, I don't know, 200, 300 million in USDC, I think. And, uh, doesn't look like it's going to get paid back. I mean, they have about a week to come up with the money, I guess, less than a week. And if they don't, I don't know. 
It's interesting to me that the grift of some of these things, like and the, and where greed drives people into mistakes, right? Like if someone emails you or direct messages you on Twitter and says, "Send me one Bitcoin, I promise I'll send you two, you know that it's a scam, right? You're not going to fall for it. But if somebody says, "Hey, I raised three hundred million dollars in the public markets or in private equity, send me one Bitcoin and I'll send you one point oh eight Bitcoin back," you might fall for it. Because uh, it just it's steeped in a little bit more uh, prestige, but it's still the problem that why would someone send you more than what you gave them? What what's going on there? And unless they're shorting it and the price is going down or trading in it, and they're they're obviously taking risks with it. And if those things don't play out for them, you're not getting your Bitcoin back. So so that's the warning. Oh, yeah, Voyager. I actually just looked it up. Uh, Voyager is about to learn a very valuable lesson. Uh, I mean, they're pretty old fund. They've been around. They, sh they should be able to survive this. Uh, but, uh, you know, lesson learned. Uh, hopefully they understand the difference between Bitcoin and shitcoin and what it means to hold your own keys. But, uh, no, it's uh, this is how markets bottom. The more stories like this we have, the more likely it is that the bottom is in. It's cleaning house, so to speak. It's got to happen, I guess. At the same time, I saw that Bitcoin Magazine put in the headline, it's in the nest, you know, number of addresses holding at least 1 million sats just reached an all-time high of over 10 million. So yesterday we talked about the whole coiners, all the new whole coiners that came in. And now you're seeing everybody with 0 0.01 Bitcoin coming in over 10 million addresses. It's 10 million satillionaires. Satillionaires. Gotta love to see this. So it's totally crazy that uh, Voyager lended even a penny to a straight-up brand-new crypto fund. It's insane. Clearly, they did not watch my crypto scam video about crypto funds from like three years ago. I don't know if anyone on this space has seen that uh, crypto scam episode about crypto funds, but it was probably one of my more funnier episodes, just making fun of, uh, you know, like former real estate interns that are now smart enough to start a crypto fund. Yeah, I mean, this is ultimately the hubris and the grift that is inside of these things. That, that people are arrogant enough to presume that they can create, turn, turn, have the Midas touch or weave hay into gold in something that they don't understand. And that they're able to persuade people who are allegedly responsible for managing lots of other people's money that they can do it. And it is, it's gambling at the end of the day, or it's, ignorance and the expectation that they will be able to do something uh dramatic you know it, it, there was a big expression in the 80s around this right it's other people's money you're a lot less careful with other people's money and it's the same complaint we have against the government right the government spends stuff they spend your money on stuff that they're not necessarily going to use so they don't really care about the quality of it and if they blow it they just spend more of it there's more responsibility there's more fiduciary duty 
uh, for investment firms, but there, I, I should say there should be more fiduciary duty uh, for investment firms. But it turns out not to be the case. It turns out that especially people who are young, who were really young, really inexperienced, never experienced a bear market in anything in their lives, just presumed stocks only go up or assets only go up. And guess what? What goes up may come down. And when it does, if you're in a position where when it comes down, you get liquidated, you get liquidated. I feel like I'm saying such basic things, but it, they need to be said. All right, let's open it up a little bit for Q&A. Uh, if you are new to Bitcoin, you have questions you want to ask, you can come up here. We'll be kind to you, I promise. You can also ask your questions in our Telegram group if you like, t.me forward slash Cafe Bitcoin Club. That's t.me forward slash Cafe Bitcoin Club. Yeah, I would answer some of those as well. There's a lot of really interesting uh, adoption markers hidden according to Kraken Intelligence. Lightning Network capacity has grown by over 150% in the past year what's the current what are we at right now total capacity is 3,940 bitcoin there's a little there's a little wiggle room to grow still just another 20 million 999 997,000 bitcoins that could still be added to the network not that i expect that they will but it's you can see how 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 young and how rapidly growing it is, right? And if anybody ever tells you that they see the size of the Lightning Network growing to $22 million in staked Bitcoins, you know that they're blowing smoke. Hey, Tomer, I know, since you know quite a bit, obviously, about Lightning, did you see the uh, tweet out by Jason Lopp yesterday saying something about a new release of L&D that, that was going to reduce the data requirements by like 95%? I'm kind of paraphrasing because I don't fully understand I, it. I didn't see that specific one. Is this, is this a taproot upgrade to, to, to lightning? Is that, did he mention that? Did you no, he that? just, oh. he just said L and D. I don't think he mentioned taproot. Oh, I, I, so I do think it's the same thing because L and D is releasing a couple of things. Um, so it, I may be mistaken, but they're, they're releasing a, a taproot upgrade. Like right, right now, all the lightning addresses are in SegWit addresses, which was the most recent, um, soft fork before Taproot. Uh, Taproot allows much more efficient uh, multi-sig, and every Lightning address is a multi-sig. Every Lightning channel is a multi-sig, which have bigger signatures because they have two sig- they have the signature from two addresses. Uh, in Taproot, because it uses something called Schnorr signatures, you can add the signatures together. So, so it's like if if you have to have the number one and the number two, uh, you separately you have to use two spaces right two bytes of data but if you can just add one and two and get three then you're still only using one byte of data and so uh, schnorr signature uh, lightning channels uh, will be smaller to set up and smaller to close as well um, and so that's that's a big part of the power of it there's also um, to, I'm not yet sophisticated I don't think anyone in the world is yet sophisticated in it they're also building uh, something called tarot uh, and I guess the TA stands for tapper or it comes from Taproot, which will be tokens uh, that can be created on on Bitcoin through Taproot and then move via Lightning uh, without ever ever having to hit the blockchain. And I think that's kind of an interesting technology that's really worth 
studying and understanding and being being cautious about it just because if someone builds a token on Bitcoin, that doesn't make that token actually reflect something in reality. So there's still a system of trust, but there isn't a dependence on an insecure blockchain and smart contract language that isn't uh, that isn't reliable and all these other problems, not all these other, many of these other problems that we see uh, with tokenization on other chains like rollbacks and rug pulls and, and things of that nature. There's a lot uh, more straightforward thing here, but you, you don't have that. You can't create a, a gold backed uh, token that actually is enforced where the gold backing is enforced on the blockchain. But we'll see where it all goes. Nate. Hey, I, I, I can answer that question, Shane, about what Bob was talking about. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, sure. So um, yesterday, Lightning Labs had a online presentation about their next version. And one of the big complaints with LND specifically is the way that um, your hard drive basically grows in data usage because of saving all of the channel updates, all the history and stuff. So the more channels you have and the more active they are, the more space is being used on your hard drive. And that's been a big complaint uh, from folks running LND with well over 100 active channels. So a lot of big routing operators have been moving to Core Lightning because they use a different way to compact that data. But in LND's next release, which should be this week, um, they have came up with a way to clean up the way that that storage is used. So good news for everybody involved. But yeah. Especially for voltage, right? I mean, that's less disk space for you guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks for that, Nate. I was um, that's good. I'm close. I'm, I'm at 50 channels now on my LND instance, so I, I could use the space, I think. All right. We're going to go with uh, Emil, if you have a question. Emil at Sovereign Horizon. Or if you have something you want to add, you have to unmute yourself to go. No? All right, we'll go with uh, Sharp on Sats. Good morning, brother. Hey, what's going on? Uh, also another Nate here. Tomer, you said something way back at the beginning I really liked. I actually put it out as a tweet. Incompetence is ignored in Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that is something that you could probably write a uh, small book about. What I'm happy to hear and see is that grift and fraud are not ignored on Bitcoin. And I'm really happy to see how loudly we are starting to take off the gloves and shout down some of these people who are just ripping off unsophisticated investors. So just wanted to make that point. Thanks. Yeah, toxic, toxic Bitcoiners calling out crooks, evil, evil, wicked Bitcoiners, right? Uh, identifying evil and placing it where it belongs. Hey, if words on the internet hurt you, go outside. The real world's a lot more difficult. But that's where the claims of toxicity come from, right? People say, oh, the Bitcoiners were mean to me. What they're not saying is I was trying to rip people off and they called me out and it was embarrassing and shameful for me to be called out as a crook. 
Well, too bad. Don't be a crook. Makes BitBoy's self-admission even more ironic. He called himself out. It's just, it's hilarious. Uh, in any case, uh, I had a question from the uh, DM to me, um, and I, I don't know how to answer it, so I just put the question out there. Uh, the person asked, um, when the time comes, will you or the rest of the community put BTC in El Salvador BTC bonds, or will you just keep it self-custodied? I guess that's an individual choice for everybody to make and to understand what's being offered in those bonds. Again, what what are they offering to pay? If they're, you know, what, what's being said is that they're denominated. If I have this correct, and I may, I was wrong on my last answer, right? And I may be wrong on this answer too. I I think that the they pay back in dollars, right? And the expectation is you're going to buy them and they're going to use a bunch of the money that build infrastructure and use a bunch of the money to buy Bitcoin. And the idea is that the Bitcoin will be worth more in dollars at the end than all the money that was spent. And so infrastructure will have been built and there'll be money to pay you back in dollars. Um, and, and so that's the, the investment is a loan into El Salvador in the hopes that they build good infrastructure for the civilization you have to do your own research you have to do your own homework you have to choose you have to understand your own values in doing this uh bonds no bond is a guarantee right so you might not get back any of your money you might not get back all of it you might get back half of the initial purchase price converted to bitcoin it's it's not exactly uh it's not exactly clear uh, and different people have different attachments to this project and different beliefs in this project so it's every one of these things is always a do your own, uh, your own research. I've, I'm, I personally, I'm a very big believer in helping build infrastructure for Bitcoiners. And I'm, I'm very happy to help out Bitcoiners who are trying to, whether they're building towns or businesses or, or anything like that. Um, and I, I'm, I'm much happier to spend on them rather than to loan them money. Because uh, then they can keep the profit, and they're incentivized to build a profitable undertaking. But I, I don't, and don't take my comments to be either an um, either an endorsement or a criticism of the El Salvador bonds. I have not done my own research on them beyond what I've said, which may be wrong. Well, let's try with uh, Emil again. Emil, you have to unmute yourself to talk, man. Yeah, sorry, it was my connection, and I apologize for my speaking because <laughs> I literally just had a like a operation at the dentist, so I feel like I can't talk. <laughs> anyway, um, I was wondering about Celsius. Like, um, there's all this news about Voyager and BlockFi, but it's been like almost two weeks since the Celsius thing, and I'm just surprised there's like no information, like. Um, not even one in, insider has come out to speak, and there's like just still really no updates. So, what are your thoughts on that? All so we can do is speculate. Is of course, oh, go, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm doing too much, but all we can do is speculate because there's been no talk. And so anything any of us say is speculation. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. feel like a great sign that um, that there's 
no disclosure, but a lot of times disclosure takes time because of legal matters, right? And uh, and a lot of times disclosure takes time because people don't want to disclose because it's the truth is embarrassing or incriminating. This is this is what happens with a centralized entity like Celsius, where the people that are have the most uh, uh, interest in that uh, company can or that unsecured, uh, unregulated security uh, can decide not to say anything. So the last we heard, or at least the last I heard, they were hiring restructuring lawyers. So um, if your question is, am I going to get my money out of Celsius? It's not looking too good right now. At the very best, you know, it, it might take years to get it back, um, assuming that, you know, the money's still there and they can account for everything. At the very worst, it's a complete loss. And it's likely that that's going to be the case, at least for regular plebs. And, yeah, and, then, regular... and then there could also be some asshole blocking the, uh, you getting that money, like what happened in my God, delaying it for another three years or five. And then yeah, I just it... saw that video from uh, Roger Ware defending Mount, Mount Gox after it went, went down. And he was like <laughs> saying like, yeah, everything is fine. I've looked at the books. Nothing to see here. Trust me, right? Yeah, it's like it's like Powell. It's like Powell right now. Everything's fine, you know. But the the job of the central banker is to is to pro- project confidence and conviction that everything's fine. So the rumor at the time was that Roger did that video because that was the only way for him to get his Bitcoin back. That was just a rumor. I don't know how much truth there was. Ouch! Jeez. It's one and, of the least convincing videos. I mean, like, if you if you want to watch a video of someone who sounds unconvincing, almost like there's a gun pointed to their head, Roger Ver reading that clear script on a piece of paper held up in front of him. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like they've seen a ghost. It's really funny to watch. <laughs> and, and, and typically, with these with these restructurings or or bankruptcies, the there's an order in which people are repaid. And the bondholders typically get paid first, and the stockholders typically get paid last. So the plebs typically get paid last, um, and they usually only get a portion of of what they've lost. And you know that's that's probably what's going to what's going to happen here. All right, I don't think anybody else has anything to say about Celsius. I feel bad for you if you're trapped in that. A lot of people were able to get out, and a lot of people did not. Um, Hashmate, good morning. You have to unmute yourself if you want to talk. Disappeared. Yeah, he dropped off. Maybe pushed the wrong button. Hashmate has issues in any space that he's in with connection and understanding how to mute the mic. He has fat fingers. Hey Alex, has anybody commented on your new uh, on your new uh, avatar? This this lightning in encased 
glasses and new look. It's very fetching. Why, thank you. You're the first person to say anything. Most people apparently don't give a crap. <laughs> oh, I, I did. I did see someone post yours and a couple of others on Twitter. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, a guy out of Australia made this one for me. Um, he'll do it for point zero zero two Bitcoin. He'll make you a custom if you're interested. Just look at my feed. I put his handle up in there texas toast good morning mr actually uh hashmate's back if you don't mind texas toast we'll let hash go first because he was already here go ahead hash can you guys hear me because i'm keep cutting out can you hear me yeah we can hear you yeah just uh add on the point regarding the bonds i think somebody mentioned the bonds in El salvador well uh, i don't know exactly 100 percent but i'm in contact with a lawyer from there that i'm currently sorting my stuff out because i'll be moving there I'm, i sold all of my uh real estate and all things in western europe and in eastern european europe as well so i'm sorting my citizenship uh so what i would do that that's not an investment advice but what i'm doing just sharing i would just de-risk my portfolio by selling all of the inflated assets in the western world moving there investing creating a company and then investing in the bonds as well, because the company that opened will be dealing with real estate. We'll be actually building the infrastructure that the very bond will uh, finance for, if that makes sense. So, and my standard, my cost of living will be like 20 times cheaper than here. So that's my, what I would do. Okay. Was that a question or are you just like sharing some stories about what you're doing with your yeah. life? Well, that was just basically my view on yeah on the, on the Bitcoin and just circular economy of Salvador kind of moving from the uh, yeah moving from the Western world to there where it's gonna I think it's gonna be explode how it's explosive growth. Uh, but in terms of questions, I guess I want to ask. I mean, uh, I mean, in terms of the mining of mining operations, how many companies or do you know like easily could are there actually a lot of companies that are going to get insolvent or they're starting to they will recover? I mean, how how further down? So you're asking about miners? The miner of mining operations specifically, yeah. Not about the exchanges, but mining operations. Miners that can continue to miners that are highly leveraged may end up with trouble uh, if they if interest rates go up on them. I you know I don't know how well everybody's finances have been managed. Like we don't unless there are people here who specifically analyze these companies. Um, you may have to wait for a time when we get an expert on that topic up here. Uh, it, it all comes down to fundamentals. If they are able to mine bitcoins profitably, and they can turn off mining equipment that is unprofitable, but if their if their cost of energy is too high, or if they have liabilities where the the inflows of bitcoin that they uh, mine can't cover those expenses, then they could get in in trouble ultimately. <laughs> That's all one can really say. Mining is risk. Mining is much riskier than buying Bitcoin and holding it. Right? You're, there's competition. Yeah. The hash rate goes up and down. There's halvings. I, I personally will tell you, I when I first got into Bitcoin back in 2013, I got into mining. I lost almost all my Bitcoin. So the, it was at a time when ASICs were being introduced and the hash rate was going up quickly, which meant that the reward per hash was coming down very quickly. And that's where I found myself having put a lot of capital into into Bitcoin mining, 
the rewards for that capital invested plummeted to nearly negligible levels. So that's my getting record story. So in terms of the price currency, it's not something I'm looking at. It's really hard to hear you, Ash. Really hard to hear you, man. Yeah, we're sorry. We can't make out what you're saying, Hash. Maybe maybe you can t DM your question uh, if you have it to somebody. Yeah, that's a better way. Texas Toast. Good morning, Mr. Frog. Hey, good morning, fellas. I've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin for, I don't know, it feels like six months, but uh, not to like get it back on the Celsius, but I, I just want to thank you guys. for. Uh, I had a six-figure sum in Celsius. And it's because of listening to uh, guys like you and uh, some other spaces in the Bitcoin Twitters that I kind of came around. I'm no longer a shit coiner and uh, got all my money off of Celsius and into cold storage and some of the ways that have been talked about on this stage. Um, so I just want to thank you for that. And then, you know, I've kind of come around on this mindset of I'll never sell my Bitcoin at this stage. And I don't know if the infrastructure, we're kind of seeing some of this loan infrastructure collapse um, with these other companies. And I'm just wondering if any of y'all have any, uh, if Swan has has a way to where you can loan your Bitcoin to them for cash, basically, and, and highly collateralize it or anything like that, or if there's any reputable um, people in the space at this time, or is it kind of going to kind of be a, you know, uh, 10 years down the road, we can start to, hopefully we don't need it, but um, maybe maybe we just got to wait for that kind of deal to get cash if we don't want to spend our Bitcoin or just wondering y'all's thoughts on on uh, if there's anything viable in the space right now that y'all would use. No. It's funny yeah, too. You're, 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 no. Yeah, and it's funny too. Your think came at, at the most appropriate time. Corey just like popped in, and then you just immediately started talking about thanking the, the space for getting you out of Celsius. That's that's awesome. I'll give my answer, and you know, obviously, you notice that uh, Alex is not required to have the same answer, even though we work for the same company. Um, I think if they're not rehypothecating your coins, and they can sort of like get comfortable with their storage model. So something like an Unchained uh, or Leaden, where they literally just put them in, in cold storage and they sit there as collateral, then you only have one counterparty and that's kind of the key. Like the problem with Celsius and a lot of these platforms that appear to be giving you like lower rates on, uh, on collateralized loans is the rate is low because they're taking your coins and then they're gambling them. So they're like, thank you for the coins. Here's some money. We're going to go gamble your coins and try to make money for ourselves while we also charge you like, you know, 3% or whatever. So if you're actually paying a market rate of something more like, you know, eight to 10% or something like that, and they actually are holding the coins as collateral and not rehypothecating them, then that's one counterparty up to you to see like how good you think their operation is. But you know, I'm perfectly comfortable recommending for people that really, really want to do it um, or need to for some reason. Uh, I think Leaden and Unchained are both good options. And and just a caution, when it comes to Leaden, uh, there was a story, uh, I won't dox him, but uh, a, a Bitcoin maxi who knows exactly what he's doing, who um, utilized uh, Leaden 
for that very reason. He utilized them because, uh, you know, you can verify that they're actually keeping the coins on their platform. Uh, but he got distracted in his life and uh, failed to he he had to recollateralize recollateral God damn it. He got margin called. Yeah, he got margin called and he actually uh, he got margin called because he got distracted with life and wasn't able to uh, put in more collateral prior to um, the, the big drop. So he got liquidated is basically the end of the story there. Yeah, I was actually in that space with Walton, but uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys. I'm I'm starting to look into un- Unchained Capital, so uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm gonna pop down. But thank you for your time, guys. Yeah, thanks yep. for coming up. By the way, we actually do do this for Swan Private clients only, um, and we actually do it in partnership with Leaden, and we get slightly better rates than uh, than you can get from Leaden directly. That's just how they set up their channel partnerships. Um, so you would definitely qualify for Swan Private, and you can try that out with us if you wanted to. Um, but again, it's uh, it's still leverage, so you got to do it very, very responsibly. And I recommend, like you know, at least being able to weather, like as we've seen, you know, eighty-five, ninety percent drawdowns. So you want to be able to a take out a loan that's at something like you know twenty-five percent loan to value, and then b make sure you have like double that ready to go unless you want to be liquidating at low prices. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys are talking about Mechanic or not, but he made a video about this. Uh, if that is him, it's not much of a dox because he made a video describing the situation, which I recently retweeted. So I strongly recommend watching that video uh, from Bitcoin Mechanic when he talked about the mistake that he made in uh, even doing something simple as 2x leverage. Uh, so it was a really, really good video. That's if you did 2x leverage, then it sounds like he was probably using a product called uh, B2x, which I do not recommend to anybody. Well, um, no, no, he was using Lend. Lend. I mean, it's uh, you know, when you it, it's still 2x no, no, leverage. They, yeah. I mean, no, they actually have a product at Lend called B2x, where you basically put in like 100 grand and get 200 grand worth of Bitcoin. So they save you that sort of loop of you know the. Uh, the asymptote of doing a 50% loan to value is that you can double your Bitcoin if you do it over and over and over again. And they skip that noise and just say, well, you can just get double your Bitcoin. But obviously, like smallish price moves like we've seen will liquidate you. Oh, OK. No, I, I don't know which product he used. I, I didn't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not familiar with like the inner workings of land, but uh, I just assumed that when you use these more honest products, all they will offer you is 2x leverage, whether that's automated or you do it yourself or whatever. Yeah, I mean, one thing is like, is it an honest company? And the second, is it a, <laughs> do you understand the product? Um, I think there are two separate questions. You got to be really careful with it. Yeah, that's what I've always said about the whole shitcoin space. It's kind of like, one, is it an honest shitcoin? And then two, even if it is an honest shitcoin, it doesn't automatically make it a good investment. This is the problem that I run into, right? Oh, Tone doesn't think Litecoin's a scam. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that I that you should invest in Litecoin. Like those are two very, very different things. And people in the crypto space seem to confuse just because something is like a more honest product, it doesn't automatically make it investment grade worthy. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at, you know, 
for me, like there's a lot of people who listen to the space that may not know what they're doing. They may not know all the details and uh, you got to know what you're doing. Otherwise it can just be straight up dangerous. And I think it's early days, you know, these, these types of products are pretty nascent. They're new. Um, there's really no regulation um, to speak of very little. And as the market continues to mature, you know, two, three years down the road, I think it's going to be a completely different animal. And you're going to see way more, you know, once we get the regulatory clarity, so to speak, I think you're going to see larger institutions entering the space, more trad by institutions entering the space, maybe in giving loans on Bitcoin type collateral. But uh, yeah, in general, for me, it's just like, no. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. You mean... You mean some guy tells me that I can invest risk-free in something, double my money? It's a basically akin to a penny stock as an unregulated security. Uh, what could go wrong? Like if you have the right advice and you're working with the right people and you understand what it is you're doing, then great. But otherwise, be careful. Uh, Jules, welcome up. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Um, I just want, was just curious if you could expand on on why you don't recommend the B2X product. I've I've used it so far. I mean, I had to had to put more money in uh, in this last drop, but uh, I mean, I've never cashed out. I'm just I'm just curious. So far, I haven't had any trouble. Yeah, no. My recommendation wasn't don't use it. My recommendation was just make sure you understand that you need lots and lots of Bitcoin on the side, ready to top that thing up because you get liquidated, you know, pretty quickly. It's not just free Bitcoin. That's all. Just understand the product really well before you do it. Um, we've made the choice to not offer uh, loans or any sort of leverage whatsoever unless somebody is being served by Swan Private where they actually have an advisor to talk these things through. I just think there's way too many people that like get into Bitcoin and think it's a get-rich-quick scheme and they just get wrecked. Um, so we just don't even offer it. Cool. Thank you. That's yeah, that's fair. I have a very small percentage of what I have in there. I just wanted to test the waters and just wanted your opinion. So thanks. All right. This is a good time. I actually had a couple of announcements. We'll do that real quick and then we'll keep rolling. Uh, if you are in the audience and you have a question, you'd like to come up uh, and ask it, you're welcome to do that. We'll be kind to you. I promise. You can also ask your question and task text excuse me if you like we have a telegram group that's t.me forward slash cafe bitcoin club again t.me forward slash cafe bitcoin club you are listening to cafe bitcoin good morning and welcome if you've never been here before we talk about bitcoin we do it every day monday through friday start at 7 a.m pacific 10 a.m eastern two hours live on uh twitter spaces but if you can't catch the live show it's also a podcast up on spotify apple you can throw myself or Swan Bitcoin a uh, follow to be notified of when those drop. A couple of cool things coming up. We've got the Hard Money Show with Matt Brunel. The first episode is already out. I think we've got another one coming up. Later on today, we've got Swan Signal Live. At the end of the show, Jacob will give you some more details on that. Uh, the Pacific Bitcoin Conference is coming up in November. That's going to be awesome. Uh, the 10th and 11th, biggest Bitcoin-only conference of the year. Uh, plenty of events um, with it, parties, celebrations, sports, volleyball, basketball. No shit coiners on or off stage. 
<laughs> no shit coin sponsors. You can meet your favorite Bitcoiners, though. There's going to be plenty way, of those Alex, there. Alex? Yeah, yes, sir. Shit coiners are welcome in the crowd. They just won't be on stage and they won't be allowed to sponsor. And they'll feel super awkward, but they're welcome. They're just humans and they're just future Bitcoiners. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. So you're welcome to come. Everybody's welcome to come. That's going to be awesome. Uh, we have Mike Glassenap. I hope I said your name right. Bitcoin First Minnesota Realtor. Good morning, brother. Morning. Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. Go ahead. Long time listener. First time uh, caller. I appreciate everything you guys do. I listen almost every day. Um, you're probably going to say case by case scenario, but I'm a new Swan client. And uh, I'm curious if you guys have any opinions or, or historical data on, you know, where I don't know our price drop. Let's call it 70%. Do you guys recommend, um, let, let's say it's somebody new to Bitcoin, to dollar cost average, you know, a, after a 70% drop? Or do the numbers say it's time to smash buy and get your allocation um, at the drop, um, even if it could go a few percentage lower? Any, any thoughts there? Yes. You're saying do both, right, Alex? <laughs> yes. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll chime in real quick. Uh, on a longer time scale, uh, I think statistics, it, it evens out. Well, like there is no one advantage versus another. Uh, dollar cost average does tend to have people sleep better at night. So from a mental perspective, the dollar cost average is probably a little bit better. But from a financial point of view, statistically, they, they're the same. The apple's been triggered. Okay. Yeah. My, Actually, my let's let's do this. Feels, let's hear from Corey. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, my my thoughts are right in line with with tone there. Like, math in a vacuum, looking at spreadsheets, tells you that it's like the same. Or, you know, if you can catch a bottom and get a ton in right at the bottom, like, great, that's gonna slightly outperform DCA. But the fact is, we're humans and. We chase shiny objects and we get scared of scary objects. So, like, ninety five percent of people buy high and sell low. And DCA just takes you out of that mindset completely and you can just like not trade and just make your number go up all the time. And so basically almost everybody ends up better off in the long run if they're just buying every day. That said, if you are like new to Bitcoin and you have like a target allocation and you're way south of that, this is an historically good time to, you know, do a larger buy in my view. And as you know, maybe it goes down a little bit from here, but it sure seems like risk adjusted looking at risk reward like this is obviously a better time to be buying a decent chunk of bitcoin than uh than bitcoin at 60k so wicked yeah so i've done um a bit of analysis on this and obviously it's all backwards looking so take it with a grain of salt um but i threw up in the nest um it's, it's basically an analysis comparing dca versus lump sum so if you have like, you know, an allocation that you're going to uh, put towards Bitcoin, and let's just say for the purposes of this to simplify it, you have $365 <laughs> and you're deciding if you want to smash buy it all now or allocate a dollar a day uh, every day over the next year. Um, it is statistically, you know, very, very likely that the smash buy will, will vastly outperform the uh, DCA over the next year, especially after a drop like this. Um, and then obviously the longer you extend it, you know, if you have like, instead of 365, you have 
730 over two years or 1460 over four years, right? Um, the smash buy is going to outperform on those longer time frames almost always, like especially a four-year time frame. Um, so that's just the analysis I did. I uh, threw up in the nest. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I always tend, I mean, personally, I, I smash buy every week when I get my paycheck just because I think time in the market beats time in the market, especially with Bitcoin. I mean, you're, uh, it, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's something that always goes up in value long-term. So like, the more time you have in the market, typically, you know, as long as you're not buying the Pico tops, uh, you tend to do better than, you know. And, but but so again, no, these, oh, but again, DCA is like Wicked's better, right? actual Wicked's actual behavior is DCA, yeah, exactly. regardless of the analysis. <laughs> well, that's that's <laughs> not, that's not, that's not DCA though. I mean, this so this is remember like this is the whole you know semantics argument that you get into with all these <laughs> people who are semantics Nazis. Like DCA is when you have uh, a, a like a chunk of money and you're trying to decide whether or not you want to. Uh, Oh, you know, we've had, you know, yeah, yeah. I was on the exact same train and explaining like that's a trading strategy, blah, 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 and just getting pedantic about it for like the first year and insisting that Swan call it automatic recurring purchase. I lost that battle, dude. In B- in Bitcoin, you know, DCA just means automatic recurring purchase. Yep. So that's what I do. I smash buy. I don't have any fiat. Um, you know, I have good cash flow, so I'm not worried about like having to dip into my savings, but uh, so wicked. The yeah. the question is, if you uh, won the lottery or some other some cash, just if you got smashed by some cash, smashed by, yeah. <laughs> smashed by immediately. If I won the lottery, yeah, found exactly. money goes in Bitcoin wallet. If, if I won the lottery, you know, I, I I almost wouldn't even care about like the slippage because I would just I would want to be the guy who won the the three hundred million lottery and just smash bought it all. Like fuck the slippage, I'd just be like bah. And then it'd just be like, you'd see a little blip. And like, yep, that's my blip. <laughs> this is this is what happens when you start using Bitcoin as your unit of account. Yeah, for real. So like what some people will do is you can smash and DCA, like both. Like the DCA Maybe instead will... of buying lottery tickets, DCA. So I'll, I'll say when I have, I guess, one like the startup lottery and had a startup exit and, you know, had had a bit of liquidity come over. Uh, I have always put all of that into Bitcoin. So, yeah, I'm the same. I basically think you should match your DCA or automatic recurring purchase to your steady cash inflow. So if you actually have like a paycheck or, you know, relatively can forecast from contracting or whatever that you're going to have X amount of dollars that you can put into Bitcoin, that's the plan that you should set up. It should match your income, just like, you know, a mortgage payment or a 401k contribution. Yep. Hell yes. So, like I said, both. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, I was being, obviously, I was joking around a little bit when I said that. But Yeah, my, my clients tend to do uh, smash buy plus DCA plus buy the dips and tax loss harvesting. But yeah, in terms of net buying, it's, um, it's those three. They do some, almost all of them do some combo. What's left, Terrence? That's all of the options, man. <laughs> That's well, you could do levered long, which is stupid, and it's a great way to get wrecked. So back like a year ago, there are a lot of people um, who are recommending on Bitcoin Clubhouse and elsewhere that people buy call options, buy MicroStrategy, buy all these fake Bitcoin or synthetic Bitcoin. It doesn't work. I worked in synthetics on Wall Street. They're um, great for 
Wall Street, great for the person selling the synthetic. The call option or derivative, horrible for uh, most investors, or the vast majority. And I will just say, since we talked about gambling, um, whenever the Powerball or the Mega Millions is above like $600 million, the odds are in your favor. So you should probably just buy one or two because <laughs> uh, you can't win if you don't play. May the odds always be in your favor. God, that's exactly what I thought of too when he said that. Mike, you have a follow-up? Yeah, just thanks, guys. Uh, I think I'm just uh, short-term 30-day DCA might be the, a good route for me. Last question. I know we talk a lot about leverage. It's a no-no. Um, anybody have thoughts on if a home equity line of credit in an appreciating housing market is a sound um, option for people to get liquidity to buy a 70% drawdown on Bitcoin? Thank you. And I'll, I'll head back to the stage. That's assuming that we don't have a crash in the real estate market, though, right? Which I think is coming. Yeah, which is exactly what we used to have in our decks on Wall Street. When I was reviewing them, our wonderful marketers and salespeople would have pitch decks that would say, there has never been a year where housing has gone down in the United States since the Great Depression. And of course, then we had 2008 happen and the financial crisis and housing crisis. So all these things work until they don't, right? So I personally don't like leverage. I mean, you can you, you can do what you want, but I would just, I, I don't see anything better on a risk-adjusted return basis long-term, meaning 10 years or more, than there's nothing comparable to holding real Bitcoin, meaning buy Bitcoin from us or whoever, and then self-custody. I, w- I would not get fancy with leverage or anything else. Th- so there's also I'm gonna, some... I'm going to provide just a, a tiny counterpoint, which is if you actually own like all or most of your home outright, and you're essentially like way over allocated to real estate in that way. It's not just Bitcoin. It's just in general, maybe too much of your portfolio is just in real estate. That's something to definitely talk about with a financial advisor. Um, I would say that, you know, when rates were rates on refi was like two and a half, three percent, and you could lock that in for 30 years, you know, that actually was, even though it doesn't look good with Bitcoin down from 60 to 20. And by the way, I never, ever gave this advice. I listened to, you know, Sailor and others, you know, talk about doing that. That's probably still going to end up being a genius fucking trade over the next 30 years to get money at two and a half percent versus Bitcoin, um, as long as you didn't take out too much. And even if there's like a housing crash, but again, that's not if you have like, you know, 20 or 30% equity in your home, that's a great way to get absolutely fucking wrecked. But if you own your home outright, or most of it and you know don't owe the bank a bunch of money that's pretty damn safe and uh you know probably was a pretty good strategy probably i don't know i guess both things have moved right so the price of bitcoin is down and interest rates are up um be interesting to like run the numbers wicked looking at you um but it might be interesting to take a look at that all right we got about three minutes left in the show uh thanks for coming up and asking mike Let's go with one more from Mark Andrew, and then we will wrap. Thank you, guys. I'm not a lottery gambling guy myself, but uh, it just a uh, question or a thought just popped in my head. What's the over-under on a national lottery, Bitcoin lottery, where the grand prize is 21 Bitcoin or something around that? Um, I mean, the Powerball goes to an astronomical number, but uh, I- I'm sure there's a market to be had for a Bitcoin only lottery. 
I would, I would, I would trust it. Bitcoin. I wouldn't trust it. It would be cool. It's a cool idea, but I wouldn't trust it. Yeah, I think I think Tao is the man to uh, run that program. Send me your Bitcoin. I'll send you two back. Exactly. (laughs) I I hear that Machinsky is available, so probably have somebody to run the thing. Well, no, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's the opposite, right? Like the lottery keeps half the money and gives you half. So, you know, if you if someone runs a lottery and they're just given the prize in Bitcoin, if it's a 21 Bitcoin prize and they're expecting more, they could also just do a payout in Bitcoin. Uh, I mean, that's how a lottery is a bit of a scam on poor people. Isn't there isn't there a six point two five Bitcoin lottery every ten minutes or so? Ooh, Peter! Yes, there is. I see a guy walk into our convenience store almost every time I'm there buying a lottery ticket, and I I, I want to tell him just buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Come here, brother. Let's have a chat. I'm trying to help you. Great stuff. All right. Uh, we're pretty much out of time. Uh, let's go with closing comments. So if anybody up here has any uh, closing thoughts, let's share them and then we'll wrap. I just really like that house question, you know, about the, you know, uh, you know, ways, extra ways to get Bitcoin. It's, you know, I think it's cool that even with this big downturn, people are still trying to find all these different exotic ways to try to basically just get more Bitcoin, increase their stack. And it just means people are on the mission. You know, they're really hearing it. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to see that. I'm Not also that I'm glad recommending to... that, <laughs> but I'm looking into it now. <laughs> I'm, I'm also glad to see that uh, people who uh, would profit from that potentially um, caution against it and want to look at it on an individual basis because Bitcoin maxis share the truth. And I, I think I'm going to run those numbers, uh, by the way, Corey and everyone else. So I'll, I'll see kind of what the difference is between a um, some sort of refi with the 3% versus a 6%. And then, you know, the, the price of Bitcoin at, at the top when the 3% was available versus now with the 6%. That might be interesting to run forward. Yeah, if, if you write that up or want some help writing it up uh, on top of the data, we'd run that. Nice. It sounds like a thing. All right, cool. Uh, let's wrap. Chris, anything from Bitcoin Mag? Yep, we're going to be doing Bitcoin Magazine Live from 1 p.m. Eastern to 4 p.m. Eastern. It'll be uh, news and notes with myself, P, and Q. We'll have uh, Pete Rizzo on for an interview talking about um, the, uh, I don't want to say the death of, of, of models, but uh, in the sense of the old model or the paradigm, uh, paradigm that uh we never go below the old all-time high so just talking about the new sentiment in the market just talking with pete rizzo which is awesome and then we're going to have bitcoin magazine pro with dylan leclerc sam rule and ck snarks talking about um all things macro and on chain so that's it sweet jacob anything swan signal live yeah, today's a big day for Swan. So uh, just want to say thank you for everybody that was up here uh, contributing to the panel and asking questions. Today was a great episode of Cafe Bitcoin. But we're going to be rolling into Simply Bitcoin next from 12 to 2. And then 2 to 4, we have uh, Swan Signal Live with uh, Brady Swinson. The guest today is Anders Larson and Alan Farrington. So it's going to be a great one. Really excited about that. And uh, see you guys there.
<laughs> you guys. have been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Place for your morning news, preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in Bitcoin. We do this every day, guys, live on Twitter Spaces. Start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, roll for about two hours. If you can't catch it live, it is also a podcast. It's up on Spotify and Apple. You can throw myself a follow or Swan Bitcoin to be notified of when those drop. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin, Bitcoin Magazine, sponsors of the show, my crew. Aunt Shane, Sats for Life, producer Jacob. I'm your host, Alex Danzig. I work with Swan Bitcoin. If you want to know more about Swan, shoot me a DM. I am happy to help you. Thanks, as usual, to all the speakers who come up here and spend their time. Thanks for Corey, to Corey for dropping in, Tone. All the speakers we have on the regular basis who spend your time teaching people about this bright orange future. And that is what we call getting on the mission. We got 10 million new Bitcoiners to mint. We got another 7 billion people on the planet to sp- spread this message of peace love and hope too so let's get on it guys you get your work you get your mission to hit i love all you guys everybody go out there today and have a great day crush it